You're listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter, where we're overcoming trials with triumphs. Now, here's your host, Patty Catter. Hey, everybody. I am so happy to have Brad Shepard on the show today. Brad is a United States Army veteran, and he is the CEO of Shep Enterprises. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thanks for having me, Patty. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I am really happy that you're going to be on my show today. Um, I've been looking forward to this moment for a couple of weeks now. We've been talking about it. So the day is finally here. Um, tell my listeners a little bit about where you're from. I won't harass you from being from Ohio, but yes. I'll let you go ahead. <laughs> from the big OH originally. Um, and uh, I grew up there as a, a kid uh, in the farmlands in North Central uh, Ohio, Richland County area. And uh yeah, uh, military brought me out here and Washington state is where I live now um, when I was 20 years old. So how were you as a kid? Were you rambunctious? Were you quiet? No, I was awesome. <laughs> no, as a kid, um, I was more um, kind of the quiet, not necessarily timid, a little bit shy, um, stuck to myself. Right. I had an older brother, you know, he, he was an older brother. I guess we'll leave it at that. <laughs> right. So, uh, and there's, uh, I was usually around the older, older kids. So, yeah. So after high school, were you thinking like, I'm just going to join the military or was that something that you thought about as a kid? How did that even come about? Well, um, yeah, as a kid, there's always that idea watching the movies, right. Something about, uh, Rambo and, and things like that. Right. Struck every kid at that, uh, at my age. And, uh, I guess when I was in, uh, high school, I debated on going to the air force at one point, but I never really went through with it. So I just graduated and, um, hung around the area until I was 20 for about two years. Mm -hmm. And what is it that you did during those two years? Did you work at McDonald's or what were you doing? No, no. Um, I was working for Comcast. It was the time that, uh, the internet, just started coming over the cable lines. So at the time we just had dial up, right? It was through your uh, telephone. So the first time that uh, the cable line started having uh, the reverse and the forward, uh, they were doing it all over the nation. So as a kid, um, technically uh, advanced uh, work is what it was. And I married right up to it, no problem. And uh, I was actually climbing telephone poles. Uh, it was a good thing. And I still, still have a splinter in my hand from then, uh, 99. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, there's that. So yeah. So that's, um, that's what I did for the two years. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's pretty cool. I'm just having flashbacks of the old dial up phone lines right now with the internet, <laughs> the AOL. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh my goodness. So when it, when you decided to join the military, what made you decide to pick the army of all things? Uh, well, um, Everybody has their, I was almost a Marine story once. Right. So I won't get into all that. Right. Um, no, uh, it was just, um, I called and they offered to pay me a bonus to jump out of airplanes, to be honest, that was it. Um, I think it was like a $10,000 sign on bonus to jump out of airplanes and why, why not? Right. Like you think about it and this is before the war, right. Before any of anything kicked off. So this would have been the spring of 2001. So yeah, it was, um, yeah. Interesting. Right. Oh my goodness. So here you are climbing up telephones and the next thing you just want to jump out of a plane. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I could be paid enough money. I guess 
the things that we do for money, right? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I remember one time at Fort Bragg um, when Ken was in the military and my son, he had an ear infection or something. His ear was hurting. So I had to take him over to urgent care and we walked into urgent care and my son was probably like seven, eight, I think off the top of my head. Um, anyways, this hospital room was filled with guys who had just had a mass jump at the 82nd airborne and they were all banged up, broken legs, broken arms, sitting around waiting to go in. <laughs> wow. So, Interesting. Yeah. yeah I, I guess it was kind of a normal thing when they would have those, have the mass jumps. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I imagine um, we, I don't think we've had that big of problems ever really. I was, yeah. So, so, did you join as reg, like regular infantry or? No, I went into the uh, Ranger Battalion. Uh, I ended up going to Second Battalion and uh, came out to Washington State. So Second okay. Ranger Battalion. So are the Ranger Battalions smaller than a normal size battalion? Or are they the same? Yeah, they're more of a specialized. I guess it just depends what timeline you really ask, right? So um, it's fluctuated over the years, from my understanding, because of the war. Um, and, uh, so I, I kind of don't know how, how they operate now, but, um, it's just more of a, uh, privatized like unit. Uh, I would say privatized, but more of a, a special operations unit that's able to be privatized to whatever, uh, mission, whatever it has to be. Can you describe to me the feeling you felt the first time you jumped out of an airplane? Um, about about time i don't know like literally that was the idea it's like about time like because it, it took wow. a lot a lot to get there because you understand that was like one of the main reasons why i initially wanted to join was to jump out of the airplane right and um so in between i guess a lot of reason the about time notion also comes from because that's when the 9 11 attacks happened so there's a lot of stuff that was put on hold at that moment as well so um there was kind of a lot going on with our country and uh, there was a moment to where it's like, wow, I'm jumping out of this airplane. It's about time, right? Like I'm excited. And I, um, that was kind of a moment where I was, uh, I felt, uh, I felt uh, a lot of things were, yeah, coming together, I guess, for lack of better wow. terms. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, okay. So you join the military, you jump out of airplanes and then post 9-11, I'm assuming you did deploy to combat. Yeah, I did four deployments with the the military um, after 9-11. Yes. And then did some deployments after the military as well. Mm -hmm. um, when you were getting ready to deploy, did you have any certain feelings? I know um, with at least the 82nd Airborne or some of the other veterans that I've talked to in different branches, um, I hear, you know, they've been preparing all of their training for combat. So they were actually looking forward to going to combat. Did you feel like that? Or was there any kind of hesitation? I think, no, definitely not. Uh, definitely not a hesitation. I, I remember it was more of an upset because I, uh, at that time, um, we watched it all unfold. The first unit starting to, to deploy. Right. And us as a ranger unit, that's what we train for. That's what we're consistent. Our training is consistent, consistent, consistent. Right. Mm -hmm. So I remember there's, there's a little bit of a uh, upset notions because we're almost one of the last ones to actually deploy. Right. My, my specific um, company or, or have it, have it be right battalion or whatnot. Um, and so we were kind of already, we were kind of concerned and upset that we weren't deployed sooner. 
I guess is the best way. So I feel like our training was already there. However, it's just so intense that even when we came back, we were ready for the next one or ready for the next one. Wow. So when it was time, what did you do? Four years? You did five years, right? Four, no, just four years. Four, four years. Okay. So um, when it was time for you to ETS, were you like, okay, I'm getting out of here. I just want to move on. Or was there a hesitation about getting out or how, how did you end up getting out? No, there wasn't uh, much of a hesitation. I actually re-enlisted before I got out, but it was post-dated. It was post-dated when I would be in Afghanistan next. That way I could get tax-free because it's a thing. If you if you re-enlist in country, then you get your um, enlistment bonus tax-free, right? That was the deal. <laughs> and uh, so I post-dated it. However, before that date, I had them rip up the uh, re-enlistment um, for the simple fact of I, I didn't... I wasn't a big fan of our new leader. Let's just say he's, uh, um, I didn't think too highly of him at the time, but now looking back at hindsight, um, he was probably one of the best leaders I have for his exact, yeah, exact reasons I'm telling you that I didn't, that I left the military for. It's okay. I'm trying to calculate who that would have been. Okay. Gotcha. No, I'm sorry. Um. So, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so, um, yeah, so I just had the recruiter rip up the papers and, um, I was destined to get out uh, the military for, for a, a magnitude of reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of funny because um, when Ken retired, his retirement paperwork was signed, you know, you get a certificate was signed by a president that he didn't like. And so that certificate sits in a drawer in the office. Oh, wow. Nice. Uh, yeah. Um, so tell me about once you were getting, once you were transitioning, how did that go? Because I know some people really struggle with it. Some people are, you know, they jump right from one thing to the next. What, what did you do? Uh, well, for me, um, I got out and I, I tried to apply for jobs, you know, um, it had been to about 2005 and everywhere seemed to be a dead end, you know, as an infantry man with four combat deployments and, uh, the nation is at war right now. It's, it was only pointing to one direction. That was to go back overseas. That's what a lot of my peers and colleagues had done uh, in the past and we're still doing. And uh, so that was about the only choice. Um, I got out of the military. I, I did the unemployment for six months. I applied to jobs, you know, I stuck to the guidelines and I didn't get hired. So that was, seemed like that was the only choices to go back overseas as an independent contractor that would almost tailor into my understanding just before I joined the military as well, just uh, the way uh, work had been done with uh, Comcast. Mm-hmm. So that was, was why not option, right? Yeah. I would also think that it would be really difficult to go from four deployments and combat to working at someplace like Home Depot. Yeah. Not so much. Um, I think that's a misconception. I think the army really trains the caliber of person to the mission, right? And they have a w- good way of um, filtering out those that, that won't, right? That's why you see a lot of the um, special operations community guys that are pretty pristine guys that are still pretty sharp and able to um, provide, right? No matter how many combat deployments, what they've done, because there's a special litter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know that you have a heart to help people because I, I know what you're doing right now. My listeners don't. So can you kind of tell our listeners a little bit about you started this company, Shep Enterprises, and you offer some contracting services. You've contracted overseas. Um, what are you doing right now? So um, austere environments is something that I'm, I've been used to. Um, and the Shep Enterprises, that, was, uh, that started... Uh, 
2006, the year I got out of the military, uh, I created it as a broad name in order to uh, provide provide um, any type of service, I guess, may it be um, just not security, I guess. I just didn't want to tailor to security only. Um, and in doing so, um, I've traveled over the globe a few places and uh, it's what I'm comfortable, I guess, is with austere environments. It's what my company does. And uh, seeing the Ukraine thing unfold, um, you know, you see all these offer of this much money and this like lucrative amounts. But if you go to asking people, there's there's nobody's getting paid in Ukraine. More so, it's like a big joint humanitarian effort. And uh, that goes across the board from the west of the country to the east of the country. And in doing so, um, there was a, uh, um, a nonprofit organization, Phantom Ops, that was providing medical relief. And they needed somebody in less than 24 hours to deliver some tourniquets. So um, I was able to, to pr provide that for the nonprofit. And uh, I left uh, less than 24 hours of first contacting them and was able to provide that. Mm -hmm. Which is incredible. I mean, who can say, I'm going to just pick up everything and go to another country and deliver tourniquets. <laughs> well, uh, me and my... Um, Acts have a good understanding and we do shared custody. So we're able to, uh, me missing one week of my kids is ultimately three weeks time off. Right. So if I mix two weeks of the kids, it's however, six weeks. So that's kind of the way I, I, I view that as well. So I'm very family oriented. That's why in the last couple of months I've been there and back a couple of times. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely a priority mm -hmm. of my life. Mm -hmm. And what are you doing right now? Because I did notice you have a GoFundMe fundraiser, and I think it's really important. I know I know what you're doing. I support it, and I want other people to support it too, but I need you to tell our listeners what it is for because so many people, I see them saying, oh, you know, Biden has sent billions of dollars over to Ukraine. Like, isn't that enough? But tell our listeners that's really not enough because we don't know exactly where that money's going, right? Yeah, so I, I, I wouldn't have any answer to that as well. Um, I know what I'm trying to do is providing for a, not, uh, uh, a few nonprofit organizations, and that's being able to supply them with medical relief and even um, body armor and Kevlar, uh, even up to night vision goggles. So the GoFundMe is is specifically um, tailored to helping me set all these um, finite um, uh, these finite details into motion. Um, I've been overseas and I've created the logistics in order to get from uh, and from Romania into Ukraine and be able to provide to the nonprofits. I set up the GoFundMe in order to uh, help me get over there again. But not only that, the actual uh, purchase a vehicle. Um, but not only that to provide um, uh, the registration for the ITAR compliance. That way I'm able to ship um, um, defense equipment directly out of the United States into uh, Ukraine without an issue. Um, that way it's more streamlined. So we've literally, uh, SE, Chef Enterprises, has literally taken and stream, trying to streamline the process from the United States, which we're already cleared for the registration. We just need to pay the fees. Uh, from the United States into Ukraine, uh, defense uh, equipment and such of that nature. Um, uh, we're just asking for the GoFundMe in order to um, create uh, money for the vehicles. Well, I guess is that's where the large portion of it comes from. Is also is to be able to travel and the licensing of that and such. Mm -hmm. So, 
if you're watching this, you're going to see the link to the GoFundMe on the screen, but you're also going to see it in the show notes. You should be able to click the link and go over to Brad's GoFundMe and donate. One of the things I really like about this GoFundMe is it's very upfront about what it's for. Um, in my experience over 16 years of volunteering for nonprofits, I've seen a lot of nonprofits take the money to pay staff members and then they'll pay for advertising and they pay for brochures. And then at the end of the day, like this tiny little bit goes to the person that you actually want to help. So the GoFundMe cuts right through all that garbage and you can literally donate directly to Brad and what he's doing. So I love that part. Um, yeah, I'm Brad. not very good at asking for a lot of help and stuff. I have to go in and update the update the link, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a rough process for me. But I, it's something that I was mentioned uh, that might help. So hopefully, anybody can help. Uh, please help. That'd be great. Yeah, I think that I think it's great, and I'll help um, share the word. Now, tell our listeners what is one obstacle that you've had, and how did you overcome that obstacle with triumph? Hmm. One obstacle, I would say, um, living away from family, um, so far away, um, from, you mentioned, I grew up in Ohio and I live in Washington state. Now making that transition was, was, uh, somewhat easy because it was the military. However, maintaining that transition is, has been, um, has been an obstacle. Uh, it's not very easy when you call home and you hear your, your cousins watching your cousin's kid or this and that and and making life simpler is definitely when you have family around and being from a big family, I've seen that and witnessed that over the years. So uh, that's been a big challenge for me. Um, I think I've been pretty triumphant, I guess is the word you used. Triumphant uh, in regards of uh, my children are pretty uh, well-mannered and uh, rounded children. They're very smart, intelligent, and uh, they're pretty cool kids. So, um, I think, uh, although there's some stipulations we had in life, um, I think that, uh, all in all, uh, we're all triumphant together. I love that so much. I love how much you love your kids. Um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of people out there who they don't really care about their kids and you are a great role model for other men too. I think, um, sometimes I'll see your post on uh, social media or, or just the way you talk when I, when I met you in person, you were talking about your kids. And to me, that was just really a breath of fresh air. Yeah. They're, they're pretty cool. I'm pretty proud of them. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe other people's kids aren't as cool. I don't know. Just, <laughs> maybe. Just, yeah, that's, that's true. Kind of, I've seen some of those kids. No, that's all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so could you share your social media links with the listeners, please? Uh, yeah. So Shep Enterprises actually has two uh, businesses uh, underneath it. They're DBAs doing businesses as the registered entities uh, through the Washington State uh, uh, Secretary of State. And those uh, DBAs are up top imaging. Uh, and that's on Instagram. Um, and the other is secured surroundings. That also is on Instagram. Um, I don't post probably like I should, uh, I probably could get more work and things of that nature. However, um, I'm just now starting to get more work and, uh, more deployments than one or two a year. So that's the idea. So I am over here right now following your pages and I think everybody needs to go do it. Hey, actually I'm already following that page, your secured surroundings. And then what is the other one on Instagram? Uh, up top imaging. Up top, that's right. Up top. 
That's awesome. So up top imaging was a company that I created because uh, I seen drones were going to be part of the security industry in about 2014. So in, in 2014, I became a, a authorized direct dealer working directly with DJI in Shenzhen. So I, I learned a little bit about importing at that time. And uh, so I imported uh, a few uh, articles from them a couple of times. Yeah, there's up top. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I imported a, a few drones actually. And uh, that's when I got government cage codes and uh, you thought things would be going well, um, except for I ended up getting sold all the old drones and I still have old drones up there. So they sold me all their Phantom 2s and then they started producing the Phantom 3s. No. And uh, in, in doing so, like I was just a guy in the security industry and nobody believed that I was trying to sell these drones. And uh, in doing so, they authorized sell in Apple and Target at this time in 2015. So here I am, the security guy that's just trying to start this drone company. And these are the people I'm competing against, right? And at the time, they wanted to see uh, brick and mortar sites. And I'm thinking, I'm telling them like, no, these things are going to be purchased on the internet. This is how we're going to do it, right? This is the idea. And they're like, no, it really need a hard structure. So as the years unfold, um, they ended up, um, uh, I couldn't keep up with the sales. So Uptop Imaging had a hard time selling the old product. They offered me this stabilization system that comes off the drone, right? And uh, if I gave these workshops in Seattle, people would come by the old drones. So I did exactly that. I provided these workshops with this stabilization system, except for nobody bought my old drones. Instead, directors and producers all over the Pacific Northwest would see that I could utilize this system. And what they did is they started hiring me for their sets. And I became the, uh, the drone, the dronographer and uh, the technical advisor for their study camps. So I deployed to Africa even for this. Uh, so yeah, Uptop Imaging started uh, this great route and uh, we provided uh, film for Discovery for Home Living Network. Um, we've probably done a dozen, maybe two dozen music videos. So uh, Uptop Imaging went down this whole other drastic path as well. So that's uh, that became a wonderful little uh, company in itself. And uh, the COVID, absolutely the COVID. So now that the COVID picked up, we uh, I tried to divert back to the idea of security and, and things like that because when I was building up top imaging, I'd only do maybe one security endeavor a year. So I just, um, yeah. You've been holding out on me. I had no idea any of that. <laughs> Did you know I trained, I, I, I certified canine instructor. Did I, did I explain that? <laughs> Time Are forward. you serious? Yeah, I went to, it's an advanced canine. I use my uh, VA uh, benefits and yeah, it's a three week program. And so I have two. Two yeah, you have two for, killer dogs. Yeah. Well, yeah, but one of them's actually I'm I'm donating uh because of this whole endeavor with what I'm doing right now, I'm donating it to a fellow brother uh in need and uh we're working on his registration for service and all that right now. Um hoping to be to complete by June first. That's incredible, Brad. Yeah, you he's have a an incredible he's a pretty awesome story. dog. I'll see if I send you a picture and uh yeah, yeah. Oh Nero, he's a pretty awesome dog. So yeah. oh, that is awesome. Well, I see his pictures. He, did I see he has his own Instagram or is that another dog? Oh, that's Rex. That's yeah. Rex. That's, uh, he's something else. <laughs> right. Well, that's uh, incredible. Uh, uh. Well, you learned something new here. I thought I knew you and then boom, you just blew Here's me Rex. away with all this droid stuff. Oh, oh, he is pretty too. Yeah, he's a big boy. Man, he is huge. Yes. His head's as big as a bear. A big head. That's what we call him big head. Oh, it's okay. cute. Oh. 
Uh, thank you so much, Brad, for being on the show. Could you share your social media one more time? Because I totally got sidetracked from your dog. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, um, up top imaging, um, is the, uh, the, the little media company and then, um, secured surroundings is the security side. There's not too many posts on that one. So. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show and everybody. Thank you for listening. Make sure you go over to Brad's GoFundMe, check it out, go ahead and donate, skip a coffee if you have to, or whatever, um, make it work and then follow him on social media. Brad, thank you again for being on the show. I appreciate your time and everybody that's a wrap. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please head over to pattycatter.com for the latest updates on Patty, her talk show, and what she's up to. You can also find her on Amazon TV and Roku, and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Patty Catter. Until next time.